Good morning. We have reached the end of our journey through Second Timothy. So this is the last Sunday we'll be talking about it. I hope, like I said last week, I hope you've been enjoying this study. It's been meaningful to me. Um, but you know, anytime we study the Word together, it's it's not just about gaining information. It's about actually doing something with it, applying it to our lives. Um, we're supposed to be not just hearers of the word, but doers of it. So I hope you've been thinking about what has God been teaching you and what's he leading you, what steps is he leading you to take as we've been going through it. And um, remember last week, if you were here, I talked about how this last section in the book talks about people. And it's tempting to kind of just, oh, that's just you know some people Paul's writing about and saying hi to. And I, I said we could have just skipped it, but then as I looked at it, I saw how this gives us a glimpse of what life was like in the church. And there's this difference between what we read sometimes in the scriptures and then what we see around us. So, you know, we read in the scriptures about the body of Christ and everybody has a gift and we all work together and there's this beautiful harmony. And then we look around us and sometimes we don't see that. Um, I... Uh, one of the books I've been reading by Francis Chan, he he talks about how the body's supposed to work, and he talks about somebody that he knew, a young man, discovering that, and it says he thought about the Christian life. It's like somebody gave me a pair of ice skates, and I thought I was supposed to do figure skating. And then it's like they changed the paradigm, and we're supposed to be playing hockey. And as I was thinking about that this morning, I think sometimes we think the only part of hockey the church gets is the fights. And that's not the way it should be. But we have good news, because we talked about it last week. Sometimes people change for the worse, but sometimes people change for the better. And that's the beautiful thing. Like, even though we still live in a broken world, we see good things can happen. People can change. And so the stories that we unfold um, in, in just reading what we talked about last week, where Paul was talking about people and situations, how someone had left him and how someone should come, we see that growth happens. So we're going to look at the last little section on this this morning. And it's, I think, pretty practical in terms of how do we deal with brokenness? How do we deal with it when people disappoint us? What, are, what do we do with that? And I think Paul gives us some good illustrations in how he handled the difficulty in his own life. So like we always do, can I ask you to pray? Just ask the Lord to set aside what's on your mind right now so you can just see the scriptures, hear them, and then ask him to show you what to do with it. So just pray that right now, and then I'll pray for us. Father, we thank you for the model that Paul gives us from his own life of following you. And Lord, as we, we look at that, may we be encouraged, but even more important, may we take steps of faith from his example. 
So show us what to do this morning. Each person, help us see what our next step is. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the verse, first verse we're going to look at today. It's Second uh, Timothy 4, verses 12 and 13. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak, which I left at Troas with Carpus, and the books, especially the parchments. I love this verse. It is this beautiful snapshot from everyday kind of life with Paul. You know, we, we get these other stories about Paul, you know, the, 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 in Acts, like he's at Mars Hill talking to all these really brilliant Greek philosopher types and, you know, talking about God. Or we get the picture of him wanting to go into the Colosseum in Ephesus where there's this big crowd rioting and the Christians wisely hold him back from not going in there. And we read about the shipwreck. You know, there's all these dramatic events in his life, being in prison and all that kind of stuff. And then we get this little glimpse of him saying, oh, I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. You can see that if you read the book of Ephesians. And bring me the cloak and the books and the parchments. It's like normal life. But remember the context of this. The context is he is imprisoned. This isn't the imprisonment that's described at the end of Acts. It's a different one. And he's not expecting to get out. He's expecting that he's going to be killed, executed. Now, if you were about to be executed, would you be carrying life on as normal? Or would you be thinking other kinds of things? I see this beautiful picture of a guy still going after it, going about his ministry, what he was called to. He, he's caring for Ephesus. He sends Tychicus to, to help them. And he needs a cloak. He gets cold, you know, and he left the cloak someplace and bring it. And then he says, and the books and the parchments. He's still learning. So one of the life lessons that I think we need to learn from Paul is keep learning. Don't Stop learning. Now, I know I have pictures of books. Libraries are my happy place. Maybe libraries aren't your happy place. That's okay. You don't have to be a reader to keep learning. There are other ways for you to learn. And we live in a world where you can have books read to you. So, you know, we've got all kinds of ways to continue to grow. We should. Paul was still wanting to deepen his understanding of the scriptures. He was a Pharisee. He probably had massive amounts of the Old Testament memorized. And he still wants more. We should never stop learning. There's more for us to discover. And obviously, not just even the scriptures. We'll talk about that in a second. But there's all kinds of other things you can learn. Did you realize that Grandma Moses, you know, the painter, she didn't start painting seriously until she was 78. So you can begin to do new things and learn new things that give God glory and, and help you interact with the world around you. You can continue to become. So the scriptures talk about loving your neighbor. Do you know how to love your neighbor? Well, maybe that's something you could learn how to do. 
Or Jesus tells us that we should love those or bless those that curse us. Do you know how to bless somebody who curses you? Well, maybe that's something you could learn. In other words, there's so much for us to continue to grow deeper in understanding who God is and how to live out the reality of that in our life. Don't stop learning. So then we get the story of Alexander. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. So now here we've got a conflict. Here we've got somebody who's opposing teaching. He's against good teaching, and he's trying to thwart him, and he's done Paul harm. So how do you handle that? Well, I want you to notice two things in this verse. He talks about how God will repay him, and then he warns Timothy about him. So one of the things we have to recognize is as we go through life, people are going to hurt us. They, they might do it with their words. They might do it by lying. They might do it by even physical harm. There's different ways that people will hurt you, and you're going to have to deal with those wounds correctly. And this is where we need to look at the next verse, and then we're going to learn something. Because the next verse gives us another example of it, and he handles it a little differently. So this one says, At my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. Okay, so in this situation, he's going to trial, and no one shows up to be with him. Like nobody, nobody stands there. None of the other Christians are there for moral support. But he says, may God not count it against them. There's, a, I think, a little understanding. Like Paul is expecting to be executed, and no one kind of wanted to show up and go, I'm with him. Like that, that maybe a little fear was in there. But they weren't meaning to hurt Paul. They weren't meaning to be mean to him, they were probably acting out of fear, different than Alexander. And so here's a forgiveness here. But in both of these, I actually see forgiveness, but we don't see trust. And that's the thing that I want to talk about. See, one of the things that I've heard, you've heard me say this before, but I have to keep saying it because we, we easily, easily confuse the two. We have to understand the difference between forgiveness and trust. As followers of Jesus, we are called and invited and instructed by God to forgive. We're to forgive those that offend us, that hurt us. We are to forgive those that, that do evil. Forgiveness is something that we give. And the reason we do is because we ourselves have been forgiven. We didn't earn our forgiveness from God. We didn't work to achieve it. We, we didn't um, do anything other than receive it from God. And so we are called to give forgiveness to those who do hurtful things and say hurtful things and hurt us. So it's always given. And you see this in both situations. Because 
when Paul talks about Alexander, he doesn't say, I'm going to get him. He doesn't say, you know, I'm going to make him pay. He says, God will deal with him. He entrusts him to God. And then with the others, those that deserted him, when he was really looking for some moral support, he says, may God forgive them. May God not hold it against them. There's this gentleness and this grace. So one of the things that, that's so important is if we don't forgive, then we are going to become hardened and bitter. A lack of forgiveness will entrench an attitude of suspicion, and we won't ever trust anyone or, or let anyone close because we'll be too afraid that they'll hurt us and disappoint us. We forgive to be like Jesus. But trust is a different thing. You see, trust is always earned. When you are dealing with someone untrustworthy, you are not being gracious and kind to trust them. You can be gracious and kind and give. You can be gracious and kind and serve. But you're not being gracious and kind to trust them when they have demonstrated themselves untrustworthy. So think about how Paul handled Alexander the coppersmith. He was opposed to truth. He was aggressively going after the truth and wanting to stop it. You don't give them an invitation to speak. You don't, you don't set them up where they're going to spread their influence. And you warn, he warns Timothy, be careful around him. He's not someone you can trust. So let me give you an example. Um, this was years, years ago, uh, 20-some years ago probably. Uh, I got a call um, from somebody who had been a pastor, and he told me that he wanted to come here and study, but he didn't have any money, and he was looking for a home that you know, we would set him up in, and he could you know, do some chores for somebody and help them out, and, and then he could you know, come. Well, he referenced where he had been a pastor, and so it was in our, in our um, association. And so I called the district superintendent and asked about it. And the district superintendent was very appropriate. He told me some specific things, though he didn't you know, exaggerate. But he told me enough specific things that made me realize this person was not trustworthy. So for me to pass him on to a group of people as trustworthy wouldn't be fair to those individuals. I was being discerning, and so I said I couldn't help him. Now, he wasn't real happy about that when I called him back, but the person didn't gossip about him. He told me factual things that had happened, like you would on a resume, you know, or on um, like a recommendation. You don't say untrue things about someone in a recommendation when that's important. And so that's what happened there. And so that's what Paul did with Alexander the coppersmith. He wasn't passing him along as someone you should trust because he wasn't trustworthy. So trust is always earned. It's, it's not given apart from there being some sense of it. We always speak the truth about one another in love. So gossip is when you talk about somebody that you have no business talking about. Like it's not a pertinent situation. If the, if, the, uh, if the superintendent had called me up 
and said, oh, by the way, there's this guy that you, you're never going to meet, and let me tell you all the dirt about him. Like, that's, that's gossip. That's not right. But in the situation where I was asking because of what I was facing, he gave me pertinent information that was appropriate, was um, specific to our situation. So forgiveness and trust are two different things. And part of our struggle to forgive is we say, I can't trust him, so I can't forgive him. No, we give forgiveness even to an untrustworthy person. But trust is a second thing. It is something that someone earns and builds in relationship with you. And you see this in what Paul experienced in those interactions with people. He, I'm certain, forgave Alexander because knew Jesus called him to, but he didn't trust him and he didn't promote him. Whereas those that had deserted him, he was still in relationship to them. He was sad. He was hurt. But he didn't cut them off. He didn't say, I'm never going to talk to you again. He, he was restoring his relationship with him. And this is so important when we are wounded. This is so important when we are hurt. Because if we don't forgive, we don't allow God's love to flow through us. So we look at those people through Jesus' eyes. And we look at those people through the way um, we've been treated by God. And we give forgiveness. But trust is earned. And so you don't treat someone that has demonstrated themselves untrustworthy. You don't treat them with your full trust. You, you're cautious in what responsibility you give them because of that. You don't put them in a bad place based on that. So Paul models this. And when we deal with a broken world, we've got to remember that. We've got to remember that we are people of forgiveness. We can forgive. One of the most powerful stories that came out of um, that shooting that happened in South Carolina was the church where the individual had come and shot and killed people. They went to his trial and forgave him. And it was a powerful picture of what God can do through us, even though he hadn't apologized or repented in any kind of way. Forgiveness is given. Trust is earned. And as you sort those out, you can begin to think about how you handle the hurts and the wounds that come our way. So how do you develop the ability to do that? How do you develop the ability to forgive? Is you recognize where your true security comes from. So Remember, Paul talked about how they deserted him. And then here's the next verse. But, so in response to these people who deserted him, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So how did Paul, how was he able to do that? He was able to do that because he knew who was with him. He knew that God was with him. He was looking for that. He was expecting that. He was leaning into that. And remember, this is the guy that wrote the, the, the verse that we all quote so often, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. He was leaning into God and trusting God to give him the grace and the strength 
in all of those moments. And he experienced it. He was strengthened. And he understood his purpose. His purpose was that he was called as an apostle. He was spreading the gospel where it hadn't been preached. He wanted more and more Gentiles to hear the message of who Jesus was. He was living out his purpose. But he was confident that God would rescue him from evil deeds and bring him safely when it was time to his heavenly kingdom. So part of how we go through a broken world is we look for two things. We look for God's presence and protection. Do you understand that the Lord is present with you wherever you are? That you don't, um, we sang um, something from Psalm 139, where, where David says, where can I flee from your presence? You can't go anyplace physically that distance you, you to a point where God isn't there. There isn't any experience that you can have where God is going to abandon you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So you look for God's presence and protection, and then you look to our future. Part of our struggle sometimes, I think, is we have a limited view of heaven and a limited view of his future for us. The picture at the end of Revelation is that we are ruling and reigning with him. We are engaged in meaningful activity. It's not sitting in a church service for eternity. He is ruling and reigning with Jesus. And Paul looked to that. He, he envisioned that. He understood that. He understood that God had far more ahead for us than we can even imagine. So he looked for those important things. Here's some practical wisdom for life from the life of Paul. Keep learning. What is God teaching you now? What are the ways you are pursuing learning now? Second, deal with wounds. Learn to forgive. We're going to get hurt. And it's easy to let wounds fester. You know, you, you know what happens when you leave a cut and don't, don't wash it out. It can fester. Wounds in our spirit are like that. They fester. Learn to forgive. Understand the difference between forgiveness and trust. Sometimes people will say, well, you'll trust me if you've forgiven me. It's like, no, I'll forgive you, but you've lost my trust. You're going to have to earn it again. And then look for the important things, God's presence now and your eternal future. You're going to live for a long, long time. And you are going to experience God's presence. Look to that and think about what it's going to be like being in his presence. That will encourage you to cultivate the character, the citizenship of heaven. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you for Paul's example to us that sitting near the end of his life, expecting to be executed, that he was still living for you, that he still wanted to pursue knowing you more, that he was warning the church about dangers and encouraging people in their walk with you. 
Father, we want to be people like that, that are looking to your presence and your strength to live the life that you have given us and to live it well. May we be learners. May we be forgivers. May we be people who look to do all that we do in your strength and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.